Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to a brand new episode of I'm 40% Podcast. With me, as always, is my co-host, the little shit, Nick Sahoya. Um, he's my sometimes son. He's my full-time best friend. That's my... a new, new sound on the soundboard, Mom. Do you hear it? He's my occasional uh, comedy I think her name was partner. Camille, suggested this sound, so I put and it on the And he's a thing. full-time thorn in my side. Mm. It's when. Do you remember when Bender he turns human and they roll him around and he makes that noise? Do you remember? Oh my gosh, that's one of my favorite jokes. Um, how's it feel to be eight hours behind me? I'm in the future. This is very um, topical for our podcast because I'm in the UK. Well, you, you see, I feel like sort of cultural awareness wise, you've been months behind me our whole life. So this is just kind of the opposite of that for a Try change. Years, and it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a very special guest today. Um, star of TV, film, stand-up, and just an all-around gorgeous hot person. And I'm not objectifying this person. That's literally they won't shut up about how hot they are. It's Joel Kim Booster. <laughs> Hello. I you Let know me what? Ask I Joel, can I have my booster shot now? Mama. Get it? Has yeah. Did you make that joke constantly? I uh, I don't make the joke constantly, but about every <laughs> grinder hookup I've ever had has. <laughs> How are you doing, Joel? <laughs> I'm doing fabulous, actually. I'm really happy to be here with you. Um, it's so exciting to be talking to someone in the future. Um, you know all the Drag Race spoilers ahead. <laughs> it's amazing. No. They men in blacked me after we filmed it. <laughs> no, you were severed. You were severed the entire time Severance, you were on. Um, this you is were... something you don't know about. Exactly. It's this a is the cultural references. Yeah, behind that we were talking about earlier. Um, you were severed the whole time you were competing. Um, um, I'll I'll update it. They men in black tooed me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they rick and not even men me. in black international. <laughs> Okay. They Rick and Morty Joel, me with the memory zapper. No, we got him. Joel, we, we've been trying to get you on the show for a while. We, we're big Joel Kim Booster fans. And uh, I asked you so many times, I was worried I was nagging. And then we bumped into each other and you assured me I wasn't. Yeah, but it kind of worked out. House? At Akbar, so kind so, of. Yeah, lateral move. <laughs> um, so uh, it did work out, though, because we get to speak to you uh, the day after the premiere of the trailer for your movie, Fire oh, Island. Yeah. And it looks so fun and gay. Do you want to talk to us a little about that? Yeah, I mean, what do you want to know? It's, it's a really um, exciting time for me, I guess. Like, it's the best part about it is I got to do a movie with my best friends. 
Um, yeah, all the gays are there. <laughs> yeah, it is like it is like sort of uh, my generation of gay comics. A couple of us are in there: me, Bowen Yang, Matt Rogers, and then the like icon herself, Margaret Cho, is also in the movie, which was huge for all of us. I think every single cast member had a moment with her on set where we took her aside and said, "You have no idea how much you mean to me." And she was like, "No, <laughs> faggots have been telling me how much I mean to them for <laughs> the last like two decades." So I get it. Um, but no, she was lovely. It was, um, I think, like, I don't know if I'll ever be happier than when I was making that movie. Um, and I'm really excited for people to see it. Yeah. Everyone go check out the trailer. It's on Hulu right next to your Futurama that you're watching already. <laughs> You'll be able to watch Fire Island coming in. When, Joel? Uh, it's June 3rd on Hulu Two is months. when it drops. Oh, Pride Which is month. also Smart. where you can watch Futurama. <laughs> Margaret Cho has been a guest on this podcast and my sister podcast, Hijinks, um, which you've also been a guest on, JKB. Mm-hmm. Um, I am one of those queer people who, I, I mean, I get nervous talking to Margaret in every context. When I'm yeah. in person with her, I can barely get words out. When I'm interviewing her, I like apologize profusely after everything that I say. She just has that effect on queer people who were raised. Uh, it's like, I feel like I went to the church of Margaret Cho growing yeah. up, just watching her comedy specials. So Absolutely. And for it was so the, I think the wildest part about working with her on this movie is she would she was so she, she there was no ego like she was not a diva at all. And she would like constantly defer to me and like ask me for notes. And I was like, oh, <laughs> Margaret Cho, you can do whatever the fuck you want in this scene. <laughs> like, I mean, like there is no note to give you. You just be Margaret Cho. And I think everyone will be happy. Um, but yeah. Are there any sizzling secrets you can tell us, like any embarrassing sex scenes you had to film, any like weird, like um, douching jokes that we can expect from the film? <laughs> There's not enough douching jokes in, I, in gay media. Wildly, I don't think there are any douching jokes in the movie. I will say one embarrassing sex scene thing that um happened which is unfortunately a scene that was cut is there is another actor who gives me a blowjob in the pool in one scene and we had like the intimacy coordinators first of all there are two like group sex scenes in the movie and our (laughs) intimacy coordinators on set were these two australian women and i have never seen two straight women understand the angles and the calculus of gay group sex more like one of my biggest pet peeves about uh gay sex on film and television is so often i'm like where do they think the penis is going the way they have these two boys situated oh my god that rim job on um white lotus yeah like that is crazy (laughs) there's a show called industry where they have two men fully doing missionary in like the straight way like there was just no way the penis was being inserted into a butt and yet these women like they got they nailed it so well and it was like so shocking to me but there was a scene where Z- uh, 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 Zane Phillips, uh, who's an um, an actor in the f- the film, is giving me a blowjob in the pool, and I had to wear the sock. Um, and she came over and she was like, "We're gonna put this washcloth on top of the sock as well." And I was like, "Oh no, I'm cool." I, I was like, "I don't care," you know. Like I'm sending my nudes out with reckless abandon. Like it's fine with me. <laughs> and she looked at me in the eyes and she was like. No, this is for Zane's comfort, not yours. <laughs> so, that, like, so that he didn't have to be inches away from my penis. Um, and I was like, oh, right, 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 right. Um, 
So yeah, unfortunately, cut. But I okay. First of all, underwater blowjobs. No, thank you. Um, <laughs> second, it of only all, exists in cinema. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, he was in the pool. I was out of the pool. I was like sort of okay. legs okay. over. Oh, that's I was. Yeah. I was imagining a scuba mask. Um, no, 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 no. <laughs> Not, it wasn't showgirls. <laughs> um, intimacy coordinator. I didn't even know that was a job. I have a new dream job in life. <laughs> Third of all, yeah, no. two Australian women. I just like, how can you take anything <laughs> seriously with that accent? Like, we're going to make you wear this washcloth for Zane's comfortability in case you get a little bony there. <laughs> we don't want any surprise bonies, so we're going to have this washcloth for discretion. <laughs> I, I always lose it at the end anyway. Um, it well, is. Just... I, I like can't believe that intimacy coordinators are, are relatively new on sets, and I don't know how people dealt with sex scenes prior to having these people because it really does like having a that person there d- makes it more clinical and makes it less uncomfortable because like mm-hmm. she takes each person aside and she's like what are you comfortable with what are you not comfortable with like how are you feeling and then like on set they just like no like also like putting a beach ball in between me and this guy that i'm fucking and like giving me the so that i can like fully bounce in the way it was like <laughs> i was like what a genius like piece of technology just a, like a, a true like soccer ball um unfortunately also a scene that was cut um oh. but they in the yeah. end features yeah in the end they said you know director's Joel, cut your character's not gonna have sex after all so <laughs> <laughs> uh, your character's now a virgin um i'm so happy i've never had to film a sex scene because i'm i'm very nervous about I, i'm i'm what you call spring action um <laughs> like if someone says the word boner too many times and then i have one so um i'm just glad this is not a full body podcast yeah. um no <laughs> well that's the other thing about the intimacy coordinators is they make it so deeply unsexy that like you mm-hmm. really don't like you're just not in that headspace so it never never even occurred to my penis to get hard. Um. It never even occurred to my penis. And trust me, we were checking in frequently throughout the day. Um, well, congratulations on everything. We can't wa- wait to watch your sexless movie. <laughs> Fire Island, the movie, completely chased. You can do it at your church lock-in. Yeah. Just watch Everyone's it just reading on the beach. Um, that's all. Hand-holding. But now let's talk about something significantly more sexy. It's Futurama. (laughs) (laughs) Take us away, Nick. Take uh, take us away, Calgon man. Are you going to ask him if he's seen Futurama before? This is why you can't be the producer. I'll handle the questioning. Joel, have you seen Futurama before? Is it a show you like? Yes. I've seen, I think, close to every episode of Futurama. Um, It was was a real... It was a show, it was the, one of the only shows that my older brother and I both liked. Um, mm. And so I remember, like, I would get home at night, and he was a, very much a homebody, and, like, it was the only thing that we could both sit in front of the television and enjoy and, like, laugh at. Um, because, like, it's it, it fits in, in terms of adult animation, it does slot in sort of interestingly between shows, like, like, it's not Family Guy, 
Like I, he really loved Family Guy, and I don't really love Family Guy. We, I love American Dad, weirdly, but I don't like Family Guy. Oh, you and um, Jinx can bond on this. Yeah, it, I think American Dad is genius. I think, it, and I, I think it's so much smarter than Family Guy ever was. Um, thank you, thank you, Joel. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> and, um, I think once you finish with Futurama, you should move on to American Dad. Um, but um, well, yeah, baby, it's gonna take us baby, about a decade. I already but... done American. <laughs> dad up and down all over this beloved <laughs> planet of ours um <laughs> i you know yeah, Futur- it was it futurama is a good bonding show between you know different demographics there's something for everyone i'm assuming is your older brother straight no no he's gay oh i was he's just gay. thinking you know i was he's just thinking he likes he's... family guy so no yeah i mean he's he's much he's a much different like we are a study in contrast like he in mm-hmm. every way i think we are different kinds different um breeds of gay um in a big way like i like i don't think he would ever touch drag race um and i think like i know offen- <laughs> <laughs> so offensive um he's he's very much like um you know boy 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 man bro boy man uh, <laughs> the adventures of yeah. boy man <laughs> boy man and um yeah he doesn't he doesn't love like gay things i don't think uh, except i think he is a furry um so there's that um but he yeah he's we we don't intersect in our interests very much we don't align but uh a futurama is one of those interests that we do align on so Furries this is just a spoiler <laughs> this is a spoiler that the furry community is not represented in Fire Island, and therefore the movie should be canceled. Uh. <laughs> Furries just okay, keep let's... coming up week to week. I don't, I don't know, y'all. I wonder why. <laughs> uh, let's get into this episode. Uh, it's called The Deep South. There's no cold open. Um, we have a Chiron. It says, a stern warning of things to come. I think this is a great Chiron. It's very meta. I give it five Chirons out of a possible five Chirons. Joel, how do you feel about the the Chiron? Um, I felt I felt sort of I was called stupid by the Chiron because I didn't realize <laughs> until just now the play on words um, in the Chiron. Um, so Stern that Chiron warning. called me a stupid faggot. Um, Wait, what's the what's the what is the word play? Because like stern boat, but and they're, they're in the boat. a spaceship. <gasps> But, but it becomes a boat. boat. No, I think Joel's onto something. I look. I, we're I professional okay. comedians, Jinx. Listen to us. <laughs> yeah, comedy doesn't come up in my work at all. You're right. Yeah, I was about uh, to say. I think, I think if, if if we were asked the voting public um, right now, I don't know if either one of us would win in a in a horse race with Jinx. But use um, hashtag Stern equals boat or hashtag Jinx is right. And we'll see which one gets more. <laughs> listen, listen. I get it. A stern warning of things to come. Uh, I would have rather. Okay. It just. The only thing this Chiron does for me is it reminds me of the idea that I've had um, to get uh, the words abandon all hope ye who enter here tattooed above my ass. Um, <laughs> and that's barely related to the Chiron. So I'm going to give this Chiron, I don't know, three Chirons out of five. <laughs> wow, really low. I was gonna say the Chirons have been trending upward for me, but Jinx disagrees. 
<laughs> uh, we 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 go to the Planet Express office. Leela's picking fleas off of Nibbler. Bender is picking fleas off of Fry. This is very random to me. And Hermes enters. He has requisitioned a pet license for Nibbler, but he accidentally got a fishing license. And it's mandatory. And it's mandatory. <laughs> I love that joke. <laughs> love it. <laughs> I do love this intro in the sense that it's like, we just need to get them fishing. That's the premise. Let's mm-hmm. do it in 30 seconds. Get them Very on the economical. ocean as quickly as possible. Well, um, and this is why I think part of the reason I waited to... I, I kept blowing you off to do the podcast is because I knew you were um, you were in the early seasons. And for me, like season mm. two is when I think the, the show really like finds itself and finds its rhythm and and it allows itself to be a little bit more random like this. Um, you know, like because the first season is a little more plotty. Um, yeah. Then, then the we got to meet all those are. characters. Yeah. And they, yeah. they've all sort of settled into themselves at this point in, in a fun way. Well, isn't the um, rule that season two of any show is the the best season of any show franchise? Isn't that like a common conception? Yeah, um, I, I, I'd agree with that. I think season three is very good as well. Um, Futurama season three, except for the first episode of season three, feels completely optional. But we're not what there is, yet. What so. season? <laughs> what season does the dog happen? You know which episode well, I'm talking I about. I think this is an interesting question, Joel, because <laughs> in my box sets, my Futurama box sets, it was season four. But on Hulu, it's season five. So at some well, point, they I, change I, the seasons. <laughs> I'll also complain for a second because you told me this was episode two um, or a season two, episode twelve. On Hulu, it's episode sixteen. It is. Yeah. Well, I so, might have just—I might so have just texted you. you wrong. I was—I was really fucking confused. I was sitting in my bed and I said, "What the fuck am I supposed to be doing?" I was googling. I felt gaslit. So I guess I didn't know what neither of us should be producers, huh? That hmm. could be Hulu's huh. fault. It might have just been me. Hmm. I might have texted you the wrong number. Welcome to the Magical Overthinkers podcast, a show for thought spiralers, exploring the subjects we can't stop overthinking about. From celebrity worship to social media comparison. I'm your host, Amanda Montel. I am a textbook overthinker. I'm also an author and the host of the podcast Sounds Like a Cult. Every other Wednesday on the Magical Overthinkers podcast, I'll interview a charismatic expert guest about some confounding subject from the zeitgeist. Think narcissism, imposter syndrome, girl math. If you're like me and feel like the volume in your brain is just way too high sometimes, my hope is for this show to make some sense of the senseless. Listen to Magical Overthinkers now, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, they are in international waters, so Bender does kind of a Miami Vice drug deal. It's implied that it's drugs. We don't know for sure, but... Could be anything. It's kind of an 80s speedboat. It seems yeah. pretty druggy to me. I just um, don't know enough about drug deals. Like, I mean, I was so pampered in Seattle. My dealer lived two floors up. Um, I I wouldn't call that situation pampered. That was a real... (laughs) No offense to 
he's listening, but he was a handful. Don't dox him. <laughs> I'm um, sorry. But... <laughs> he lived in apartment 420, Joel. He literally lived in apartment 420. And we can bleep but his name if we have to. But <laughs> it, was, it was great because you go up to his apartment and he would throw back these curtains and he'd have like a bookshelf, like an apothecary of all these different kinds of weed. And whether you wanted to hear it all or not, he told you every single strain he had. And he also would then give you a lesson about queer history in Seattle. So I don't know how much of that you heard. Sorry for everyone listening <laughs> right now. Um, my Wi-Fi is terrible in Newcastle. Blame it on the Brits. We're moving on. <laughs> um, there's the <laughs> ongoing joke of I once caught a fish this big. Bender has long arms so he can lie more. Uh, Leela owns a, her own harpoon and she's very proud of it. Um, and I think I don't know, fishing with a harpoon on the ocean is a bold choice. It, is, it also, <laughs> Leela gets, I think my favorite joke of the episode is the escalation of her catching a boot and then yes. the <laughs> catching 10 boots, 10 pairs of boots. Uh, Whatever it is, it's 20, 20 times, times heavier, heavier than a boot. <laughs> yeah. It's boot, so silly pair. and it's such a like a, a classic little escalation and I love it so much. And the rule of threes gives us uh, her catching a, a, a boot, but something alive is attached to it, and it's Zoidberg, and he's eating the boot. I wasn't... <laughs> you don't even wear boots. I was <laughs> eating it. Zoidberg has a good journey on this episode, I will say. They, um, I mean, it's still very Zoidberg-y, but... He's disgusting, and they hate him so much <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> At one point, Hermes calls him it. He says, it's eating my bait. This is your co-worker. <laughs> Well, I, I love mean, I I love the little I love it when he makes the Three Stooges noises. Like he is such a Three Stooges <laughs> character, and he's all Three exactly. Stooges. Um, <laughs> I love when he, you know, it actually seems for a moment that he's going to be helpful. You know, like he's like, let me, I'm a connoisseur of bait. Let me tell you about the bait you have here. But then he just starts eating it all. Um, <laughs> And he calls the night crawlers dry, but then immediately says, though they may be juicy, what's he getting at here? Like, Zoidberg has this chance to actually impress us, and he completely he completely falls off immediately. My heart breaks for Zoidberg. I you think maybe funny? I'm starting it's, to relate to Zoidberg more. <laughs> it, Zoidberg is such a trope, like, the, the trope of, like, the useless doctor like the doctor actually being like the dumbest character. Like it's true in like um, Archer. It's true in Thirty Rock. Like I think I feel oh, like maybe it's just those two. But like it just <laughs> maybe feels it's like just those two. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's just those these three examples that I can pull. But I, I do feel like there's more. But like I do love that. I love the idea because having knowing many like especially gay doctors myself oh, um, gay who doctors. are. <laughs> um, clowns and 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 useless um, in their own special ways. Um, it feels true to life. Zoidberg should be canonically gay. Joel, did you write on other two? I did. did. You write on season two. Did you write about the gay not doctor on, season, on that? Not or on he's not a gay two. doctor. He's just a hot doctor. Yeah. Okay, never mind. I wasn't on season two. I was on season one. 
That there well, was a dumb doctor on that though. Yeah. I didn't know you wrote on the other two, but to anyone who's worked on the other two that I get to um, say this to, I make sure to say thank you for the representation of uh, foot fetish in the queer community. (laughs) I mean, I have never felt so seen by a TV show than the constant, almost like the constant inundation of foot. I think the other two is responsible for foot fetishes becoming a mainstream uh, I think that's a one to one. No, I agree with this. <laughs> Absolutely, and I hope and I hope we create the king. I hope we colonize people's <laughs> like the young people watching the other two. I hope we created new a new generation of foot fetishists. <laughs> um, there's a part where Zoidberg, uh, there's like fish pheromones, and it gets sprayed on the professor's head, and a bunch of sea creatures attached to his head, and he shakes them off. But then Zoidberg comes up all horny and sucks on the professor's head. I'm and I remember, oh, so into you. <laughs> I remember that was a preview on Adult Swim. That was like the clip <laughs> they used to be like, hey, watch this show. I love that. I just love the professor's reaction that he just, he doesn't freak out. It's not a gay scare moment. He just goes, oh my. Yeah. <laughs> it's very kind corny. of enjoying it. Yeah. Like that's a very I mean, corny conceit. Like, like a spray that good. can make a straight guy gay. <laughs> I love that. I'm into that. That's my foot fetish. Uh, Bender takes a beach umbrella that uh, Amy is using and turns it into a giant uh, fishing hook because he decides he wants to not catch a big fish and he attaches it to the diamond filaments. Can I um, just say really quickly, I it, in watching because I, I watched a couple more episodes just because I was like into you know the it broke the, my Futurama seal and I was like oh let me watch a few more episodes. Amy is such a nothing character unless Amy is the A plot. Yes. Like in, if if they're not using Amy in the A plot, like there is nothing to Amy, and it's so upsetting to me as an Asian American that they could not find something more interesting for Amy to do uh, in a lot of these episodes. Yeah, they even do. Hermes usually gets more to do, like as far as the sort of side characters go. They do often make Amy one dimensional when she's not the A plot, and that is um, a, a very astute obster, obster, lobstervation. Um, lobstervation. <laughs> I just don't know. I, I don't often get what the game, like the comedic game of Amy is. Like with Hermes and with Zoidberg and with a lot of the ancillary characters, like I get like what the joke is, but with her, it's just like sort of vaguely like she's rich and like it changes episode to episode because sometimes she's a ditz but then she's also like getting her masters or like her phd or whatever what's consistent about amy is she is there to um um she is there to challenge leela's femininity yeah when leela pulls all the boots up amy this is what i was gonna say is amy oftentimes has great one-liners even if she's one-dimensional but leela pulls up the boots and amy says um (laughs) Uh, oh, oh, this, this is, is where, where you, you buy shopping. your boots. This yeah. is where you get your boots. <laughs> yeah. But of course, you know, I do want to recognize the fact that I'm not watching as an Asian American. So um, it's not up to me to decide how well uh, uh, Amy is represented in this cartoon show. <laughs> Did they do some interesting stuff with her, like with her parents? Like often when the parents come in and, and it is the A plot, it's just like, I wish she were funnier, I guess. I don't know. I can't well, quite. how did you feel when she got sunburned and Bender wrote a thing on her back that also Couldn't somehow relate. got sunburned even though she was asleep? <laughs> Couldn't relate. 
Couldn't relate. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Didn't see myself represented in that sunburn. Um, <laughs> Um, so Bender's uh, hook attached to the diamond filament against all odds catches a huge fish and it pulls them underwater Um, this is I will say I want to say one thing Um, I tried very hard to get a person from Atlanta to be the guest on this episode (laughs) Violet Chachki was at Coachella Bob was busy Bitch Violet was busy. didn't even read the text. She well, she was at Coachella. <laughs> she used all her international minutes, just like you did. But then I was surprised Where to was learn Coachella that we don't this year <laughs> in Atlanta. I know, but it's in a different state of mind, Jinx. Um, I was shocked when I realized that like seventy-five percent of this episode is not in the lost city of Atlanta. Like we take a very long time mm-hmm. to get there. So I guess it's okay. Joel, yeah. have you been to Atlanta? Have you spent any time there? I have many times, and um, mostly the my actual favorite joke of the episode is the De- is the Delta Hub jokes because I love <laughs> that airport, and I'm a Delta girl. The house down the boots. Um, I'm a Delta diamond girl as medallion well. fish. Okay, Thank and you. <laughs> and so I spend a, a lot of time tra- traversing through the, the the Atlanta airport, and I love it. I've slept outside the Coach store. In the Atlanta airport overnight before. Um, have it's you one ever, of the greatest. At the Atlanta airport, I have actually paid for two hours in one of those napping rooms where it's just a bed and a TV. Um, I love, like, I love a travel, a, a travel sleep deprivation nap in one of those little pods. It's kind of the best sleep I've ever had in my life. I, I <laughs> love doing shit like that at the airports. I have done that once. It's so luxurious. I've also <laughs> showered in the Delta Lounge many times, um, which I find to be like I have not deeply sexual. Um, <laughs> well, also, that leads to me to an important question. You're a cruisy gay. We know this about you. Have you ever hooked up at the Atlanta airport? I've never hooked up at the Atlanta airport, but I will tell you what did happen at the Atlanta airport. On Okay. I was sitting, <laughs> taking a shit. Okay, and I look down. I look down. The man in the stall next to me suddenly, and I have a picture of this. I see his hand on the ground, like sort of encroaching onto my side of the stall, and he's wearing a full wedding ring. You can see in the picture. And then suddenly, I see his little tiny face pop <gasps> into my side of the stall, and I freak the fuck out. I say, "What are you doing?" And then he freaks out, and I'm like, "Also, like this is the." probably the least sexy moment you could possibly choose to do this at. So then I like rush out of the bathroom. I see like a random friend from Chicago that I haven't seen in years. And I say, you'll never guess what happened to me. And I tell her this. And the best part about this story, it was Mother's Day. So we I've all been have our ways of celebrating. I've been <laughs> I've been cruised at the Atlanta airport, but I've I've never um, actually hooked up there, unfortunately. I have not cruised at the Atlanta airport, but I have hooked up in a Delta Sky Lounge. Uh, I I met someone on Grindr. I had a long layover. He didn't have a membership, so we split the cost of bringing a guest in um, because I didn't have that benefit at the time of getting a free guest. And we hooked up in a Sky Lounge bathroom. And then afterwards, we drank orange juice together. And he said, this has been a crazy month for me. This week, it's Jinx. Last 
last week it was, and it, he named another Rue girl, but I'm not going to spill her tea. Wow. But what I will say is this is probably, I think this is one in like six times that someone I've hooked up with has told me they hooked up with the same girl the week before. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, or, so it's wild. The sister of mine and I have similar taste and we must be playing musical chairs in these cities. So This unfortunately has <laughs> happened with me and Bowen a couple of times as well. I will, I, you don't have to bleep. I will air his dirty laundry out. And, um, but yeah, it, unfortunately we are Eskimo sisters many times over. <laughs> They're going underwater now. <laughs> um, there's a joke about atmospheres <laughs> a, that I enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> there's a joke about atmospheres that I enjoy where uh, he's like, it's over a thousand atmospheres of pressure. And they say, how many can this uh, sustain? And he says, well, it's a spaceship. So I'd say anywhere between zero and one. (laughs) And they fix it. (laughs) Go ahead. Go for it. No, you go No, I want you to talk. No, you go. No, you go. Mine can wait. (laughs) Um, And Fry fixes it by flushing the toilet. But he didn't even realize. He just wanted to go pee. Early on, they addressed the fact that they're not going to be able to figure out all the science um, related to the sh- air uh, to the spaceship going that far underwater. You know, uh, I think Bender has a line like the the laws of science are a harsh mistress. And then throughout the episode, <laughs> basically, they just they just kind of write off actually trying to make it make any kind of scientific sense, which I think is good for an episode that take pl- takes place under the sea um, with mermaids from Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> There's cannibalism talk. Hermes wants to eat Zoidberg. That's the one I would eat probably. It's not cannibalism, is that, but whatever. Is that cannibalism though? It's not. It's not. It's yeah. not a different species. You yeah. are eating a sentient, a sentient humanoid. So yeah, it's and we haven't gotten to adjacent. the episode that deals with that yet. <laughs> um, Leela and Bender and Zoidberg, uh, they they go out looking for food. No, wait, that's not right. No, oh, it's Leela sends Bender and Zoidberg, and this made this I liked because it made me feel like they were the X Men because Bender and and Lobster Man can both go underwater <laughs> without being you know? affected. But then I and it's love... like only two people on the X Men team can go into space with and still be able to breathe. It reminded me of that. Yeah, or go to the or like only Garnet can um, go into molten lava. Um, there you but go. I yeah. I love that Fry says. I should go too. They don't know what I like. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they're they're there's there's foraging for survival food, but Fry is still a picky eater, and that reminded me a lot of Nick. Yeah, that that is me. I would be, I would just, I would be fine on Survivor. I would just be like, eh, I'm good. I don't want it. You know what? Coconut. It's too mealy for me. I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'll just be hungry today. Um. They uh, go underwater and they have to take these uh, pills, these enormous pills to uh, adjust to the pressure. And uh, Fry says, that's too big to fit in my mouth. And the professor says, good news. Been there. It's a suppository. (laughs) And been there as well. (laughs) I've never had to take a suppository. um, I've put a lot of things up my butt, but never a suppository. Okay, here's what I'll tell you. I have also not. If you can track down THC suppositories, if you have any sort of soreness or fissures or hemorrhoids or anything like that, THC suppositories are miracle drugs. Like truly, if you are someone who ever deals with anything, even if you're not bottoming and you just have like a hemorrhoid or something like that, they literally 
THC is a miracle drug, um, Do especially when get it's applied. Hemorrhoids more often. I don't yes. know. Um, <laughs> I don't think so. I myself like uh, like I would say about thirty percent of the reason I'm verse is that um, I am fissure prone, um, <laughs> and you know, so I like they call I just, you Carrie like, Fisher. That's your drug name. <laughs> But the one of the things that, the that Gordon works Fisherman. best. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, THC suppositories, check them out. You can also, they, CBD suppositories are more readily available, but, and they do, they also work pretty well, but the is THC CBD ones real? are better. Yeah, no, to me, CBD is like Advil. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> it doesn't, I, it also takes a psychotic amount of weed to make me feel high anymore. So, <laughs> so putting it up your butt is the best way. Well, um, you're not, it doesn't get you high. I should say that too. You can't metabolize weed um, by boofing it. So it doesn't, it, there is no high from it. It is just like a topical, like it, it relaxes the muscle and, and sort oh. of, Yeah. So, we are learning so much. We're learning about simulated sex in film. We're learning about um, THC suppositories and hemorrhoids. Um, I'm starting to wonder, like, maybe I was just born to bottom because I, I, I don't deal with half the things you've been talking about. No, I will. Like, my current boyfriend is a bottom. And so I like he... The, the amount of times I've bottomed in the last year have been sort of statistically insignificant. And I have to say it's much easier on this side of the fence They're oh. like, well, no, I, <laughs> this is the thing. It's actually much hard. The act of topping is much harder than bottoming. I would say like, it just takes a lot more physical exertion. It does, but there's less prep. <laughs> like the, getting into it is easier or maybe at I, least the way I do it. <laughs> I, I, just, <laughs> I, I think it all depends on, you know, who's involved because like as a bossy bottom who, um, has sex regularly with a lazy top. Um, uh, the work is is happening from my end. Um, but I did recently see a meme um, um, that's uh, it said tops and bottoms one hour before the hookup, and it's like the the top is napping peacefully in bed, and the bottom it was a picture of uh, I can't even remember, but it was something about. It's something about douching, whatever. Uh, <laughs> Hilarious. Hila- I know, I know, I know. That's why, <laughs> that's why I'm not a professional comedian like the two of you. Sorry, I'm not a chuckle fuck. I have chuckle. no strong feelings one way or the other. <laughs> um, they uh, they do go out there underwater and stuff. Uh, Zoidberg moves into a shell. Does he like chase another crab away? He does something like that, but he moves into a shell. And we get this recurring joke of Zoidberg becoming a homemaker on the ocean floor. And I really like this life for him. I'm sad that it yeah, doesn't it work kind, out. Spoiler It kind of seems like this could be Zoidberg's, you know, place place to shine you know like Zoidberg could thrive down here if he just played his cards right um, but because Zoidberg and Bender go into the shell together which apparently has a staircase that they have to go down <laughs> and this is moments after Bender saying the the laws of science are a harsh mistress and then they go <laughs> down into the conch shell um, and then Fry meets Umbriel the uh, mermaid and there's no other witnesses but I do love that Fry 
guys at first walking around with a garbage bag full of oxygen and a crazy straw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what if it got snagged on something? Big problem. Uh, let's just opening thoughts on Umbriel. What do we think of her look? What do we think of her vibe? I like her. (laughs) Too hot for fry. This is my main (laughs) problem with most of the heterosexual couples that I see on television and in movies and in any kind of media is it's like, really? This woman wants this man? What a world. What a world heterosexual men live in. It's wild. But I will say, Joel, uh, I would say... Uh, 75% of the beautiful drag queens who come on the show do want to have sex with Fry. Really? So, yes. The remaining 25 want to fuck Lilo, which I'm also fascinated by. Yeah, but, I mean, that makes more sense to me. I mean, she's hotter. Honestly, um, Hermes makes more sense to me. Hermes in that Speedo this episode, I was like, okay. <laughs> okay, Hermes. Um, but, you know, what Fry has going for him is that he is exotic to Umbriel because he has legs. Mm, he's from the land. Fair. And, you know, like, think of uh, think of how many times you've probably slept with someone just because they have something An accent. Oh, my God. An accent. The, the way or... I grade British guys on a much different scale than I do American guys. <laughs> like, I have, I have hooked up with some... Yeah, some British guys that, if they didn't have the accent, probably would not have hooked up with them. It's sad. It's sad. I'm such a cliche. I'm just over British accents now because I spent so much time in the UK and I married a Brit. But um, Italian accents still really do it for me. <laughs> I'll take a New Zealand There's accent. There's something about the hand motions. <laughs> I'll take a New Zealand accent. I like my sexual partners to be like a full cartoon character. Yeah. I feel like New Zealand brings me there. They're literally called Kiwis. They don't seem like people sometimes. I'm sorry, New Zealand listeners. Um, I know. I feel like I just called Dr. Zoidberg it. I feel, I feel bad about that one. Um, no one believes Fry met a mermaid. They say it's ocean madness. Fry says every time something good happens to me, you all say it's some kind of madness. This made me think of Jinx. Um, and uh, they all you actually go out to the sea You do often say that I have some kind of madness when I'm talking about something very legitimate. This reminds me about the time I saw one the Sykes. <laughs> you all told me. I was... Okay, we're not we're not relitigating this. We've already talked about this on the on the show. Um, Umbriel uh, wakes up Fry from his sleep. She knocks on the porthole and Fry goes out there and starts hanging out with her. She gives him a breather, which is a thing that lets him talk underwater just so that we can, I don't know, have jokes underwater. And they go on a series of dates. They go hang out by like a Mariana Trench vent. They, uh, I don't know. What else do they do? Okay, well, there's the recurring joke. There's the pee of, jokes. Yeah, yeah, and... the recurring pee joke. Now, I have really mixed feelings about the pee joke. I like it the first time when she says, just let the gentle ocean currents um, calm your every muscle or something to that effect. And then she says, did it just get warmer? When Fry lets out a big 
sigh of relief. But then when they're at the the thermal vent and she says, did it just get colder? I get it that if the liquid coming out of Fry is colder than the thermal vent liquid, she would feel that. But then I'm also like, wouldn't the thermal vent liquid heat it up so quickly that it wouldn't actually feel colder? I don't think the joke works there. But I think the rule of threes makes it worth it because when Zoidberg is sniffing for Fry, he says, (laughs) over there where the water gets warmer. warmer. But then he goes, (laughs) but for me, the best part of this series of jokes is when Zoidberg goes, this way. <laughs> I don't know why it's so funny to me that Zoidberg's eating Fry's pee to find him. Uh, I like it. I like it. Another <laughs> another jinx fetish being revealed on this episode. I actually don't um, have a piss fetish. Thank you. It's fine if you do. Not that there's anything that. wrong with a piss fetish. I'm just saying that's not one of mine. I literally have two kinks and it's feet and armpits. And that's it. Besides that, I'm vanilla. I'm like French vanilla. I got the little specks. I got the little specks going on. I'm I don't Tahitian hear about vanilla. Your specs. I'm vanilla um, bean. <laughs> my favorite joke of the episode is when uh, the mermaid Umbriel is talking to Fry and she says, Tell me more about this bizarre landy world that you come from. Is there water there too? Fry says, Yeah. Sometimes it falls from the sky. And she's like, Hmm. And he says, Sometimes it doesn't. And she's like, oh, Mr. Oh, Fry. Mr. Fry, you do go on. <laughs> I say you do go on to people all the time because of this episode. <laughs> my favorite joke comes right after is when he says, Umbriel, I, I love that you think I'm interesting, even when I'm not lying about being a stuntman or taming a, a lion tamer or whatever he says. And then she says, lions? You have sea lions on the land? Yeah, we call them land sea lions. I tame them. (laughs) Very good writing there. (laughs) Very good writing. Very stupid joke. Um, They go out looking for Fry. Um, The professor's like, did you all take your suppositories? And Amy says, yes, stop asking, (laughs) which I really liked. Um, And they we finally get the central joke of the episode and they find what appears to be the lost city of Atlantis. It's like a old Roman column. But as they wipe off the moss, we see it's Atlanta. And then a hillbilly mermaid says, howdy, y'all. Which I have to say, this is the thing about, I, I know they, ha- like, listen, I know they had to, to do this because of jokes and cartoon and everything like that. But Atlanta, like, people don't have strong, like, hillbilly accents in Atlanta. This is like an Appalachian accent that they're <laughs> yeah, doing. I don't it, know how this got conflated. It's because it's all the very, Harvard yeah. New York writers were like, let's do an episode about Atlanta. Those exactly. slack hillbilly yokels. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we get uh, a little glimpse at this uh, lost city of Atlanta, and it's very fun. The head of the city is Umbriel's father, the colonel, a blatant Colonel Sanders parody. <laughs> And I think, Jinx, this is probably your favorite part of the episode. Um, the, 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 the tourism video. video? The yes, tourism video. It is video. my favorite part of the episode. Um, Why don't you and, break it down for us? Well, so the tourism video explains that because, <laughs> because uh, Atlanta kept over... Um, overdeveloping their Delta hub. (laughs) (laughs) The city got so heavy that it started to sink. Well, they put it out in the ocean first. 
because they thought that would increase tourism. Yes, they tourism. put it out in the ocean, and then and then the city starts to sink, and all of the Atlantans of note abandon Atlanta to save themselves, <laughs> and it's um, Ted Turner. Do you have uh, the list? I have the list. No. Yeah, tell us the list. <laughs> The, the quality people who escaped on a boat were Ted Turner, Hank Aaron, Jeff Foxworthy, the guy who invented Coca-Cola, the magician, and also Jane Fonda was there. And then the Which video I, ends. The <laughs> yeah, she hops on the boat. The fact that the, I love the magician. That, like, <laughs> this is my favorite part of the episode. It's so the, stupid. I love that they throw in the magician but then i love the one two punch of then the video ends and leela immediately goes the magician because <laughs> it's fun because we don't know what's weird to them it's the future calling yeah. out the absurd is a good um the magician <laughs> i think um, about that all the time leela's voice going the magician <sighs> okay. We we get a further tour of uh, Atlanta. There's really this is really only the last five minutes of the episode, so there's not much to say. But they're basically like at a cotillion, and uh, the Planet Express crew decides to leave, and Fry announces he will be staying underwater. But the professor says, if you stay underwater, you, you have to stay here forever because of how the pressure pills work. Because because of how the pressure pills work, because I don't know. If there's a pill that can help you survive underwater, doesn't it stand to reason that the professor could just as easily create another pill that would reacclimate Fry? And also, what's the time length on these pills? I don't know. But we're not worrying about the science in this episode. That would require some sort of rebeginning, Ray. <laughs> the concept is so ridiculous. <laughs> Simpsons. Um Fry won't visit Dr. Zoidberg, even though he is also staying underwater. He lives on the end of town. But the colonel is like, nope, can't do it. We got to get you into the country club. <laughs> Which um, is good social commentary. I, I like is. this satire here. <laughs> um, so they get back to the Planet Express ship and Bender's uh, house has burned down, which is puzzling because it's at the bottom of the ocean. And Bender and says, then, ah. <laughs> it was ahead, my Mom. cigar that started the fire. And then Hermes goes, that just raises further questions. That just raises further questions. <laughs> One of my favorite lines from all Futurama. We've got two of my favorite lines of all Futurama. The magician and that just raises further questions. <laughs> um, they go to the boudoir to consummate their relationship. And they realize that they are not sexually compatible. Um, which I don't know. They probably should have seen coming, but this does <laughs> this does bring me to a question: Have you ever really hit it off with someone, and then when you got to the bedroom, the bedroom, or I don't know, wherever you were having sex, you just realized, uh oh, this is this is no good. It kind of reminded me of, um, uh, well, sleeping with people who are on heavy SSRIs is uh, uh, <laughs> having been someone who was uh, once on heavy SSRIs and the ways that that affects the, what happens in the bedroom. It kind of reminded me of that where it's just kind of like you're all ready to go and then something just physically gets in the way like the loss yeah. of an erection or uh, I will say it, as that's like it. <laughs> And someone who is on a lot of medication, I literally <laughs> only take like I, I straight up told my psychologist, I was like, I will not take anything 
that affects my sex life. So that's why I'm on Wellbutrin <laughs> and the antipsychotic that I'm on because I was like, I, I will not gain weight and I will not ha- not have sex. I will not not have sex. Um, Laura so. Dern. Laura Dern. <laughs> Laura yeah. Dern. Yeah, Laura Dern. Great. Um, I, so, yeah. I don't have a specific story, but I will say I, this is why I'm an advocate for fucking on the first date. Like, just figure it out, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. You don't want to go to like four dinners and then be like, "Oopsie, this is this is a non-starter." Just well, Nick, you honestly and I fuck both... before dinner, grinder hookup, and then if it works <laughs> out, then you absolutely become you no fuck before <laughs> dinner always, always, yeah. always, yeah. always. Why would you want to have fuck while you're like feeling bloated <laughs> and full? Like With my current always... partner, when we're having like a, a like a not an out and about date, but a, like hanging out on the couch date. He's like, oh, let's order dinner. And I'm like, okay, that's fine, but we have to have sex like now. And then after. I'm not going to want it after the and curry. Then every single time that it comes 20 minutes earlier than it's supposed to, and I have to stop and like put on pants and go out and get the food. It's a nightmare. Oh, see, that's why I'm so glad my boyfriend has a buzzer system that like we just give the guy the door code and so it's leave at the door honey leave it at the door and then as soon as we come like you open up that door and the subway has arrived that's right i said subway (laughs) what's your sandwich joel italian bmt (laughs) italian bmt with a bag of lays sprinkled on top i okay yes i I love Subway, and I'm not ashamed. I to used admit to give it. her a lot of shit for um, postmating Subway to our house in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> but I just want to clarify something. I hate it when people say like, um, uh, you know, food from different cultures gives them diarrhea. When I made the joke about curry, it's because curry makes me sleepy. Curry has never given me diarrhea, and I will not add to that trope. So I'm sorry that I even said it. I could have said any food in the world, but I was thinking about how sleepy I get whenever I eat curry there was a kimmy schmidt <laughs> after my joke. chicken tikka masala <laughs> there was a kimmy schmidt joke about pad thai giving you diarrhea and i was like when has that ever happened to anyone it doesn't yeah. happen to anyone it's that such sounds a very food. personal mexican <laughs> yeah. food doesn't give me diarrhea i i can't think of a specific food that gives me diarrhea but also my stomach is a tank so i don't know i can um, think of specific restaurants that will cause me problems yeah not i was gonna say um yeah. Unfortunately, Taco Bell does, and yes. when I eat a lot of movie theater food, I will get mm. um, sort of sick in that way. But that's my own uh, fault for getting full meals at the movie theater. I just wanted to <laughs> clarify, I'm not adding to the stupid, played out, tired ass joke of making, you know, saying that like foods from certain cultures give you diarrhea. It just is probably that you're eating such bland, white bread, boring, <laughs> stupid mayonnaise sandwich food that your body can't handle it because you literally don't know how to eat. So get out there, explore, and then talk about your diarrhea. <laughs> and this is this is actually your central platform for y- your presidential run, right? <laughs> this is what you're going to be talking about <laughs> as you tour the country <laughs> trying yeah. to drum up votes. <laughs> Listen, I'm not going to blame your food for my diarrhea, and that's why I want to be your president. <laughs> um. Um, they have modified the ship <laughs> to work underwater <laughs> by replacing the engine with a 
No, but while Fry's running, while Fry's running away, I just the, the when he yells, why couldn't she have been the opposite kind of mermaid with the fish parts on top and the human parts on bottom? Why does he think that's gonna be better? <laughs> I mean, Maybe he's not into kissing. Some people yeah. aren't. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Couldn't they, be. They adjust the ship to work underwater by replacing the engine with a little flappy fish tail, which I enjoyed. And Fry is able to get there just in time. He attaches himself to the parasol hook. He then gets eaten by the fish. Bender wins a a reward for getting the biggest fish. And turns turns out out Fry was the best bait of all. Yeah. And then he falls out of the fish, and Bender, he didn't win the record after all. It's a good episode. It kind of ends on a dud. They start a tussle, but then um, (laughs) Zoidberg opens the gills of the fish like Venetian blinds and says, could you be quiet? (laughs) (laughs) I think this is a really good episode, but the beginning and the end, I think they were just like, eh, just just finish it. I don't care. Get them in the ocean and then get them back out. We don't need to really (laughs) overthink this. (laughs) Yeah, I do feel like they could have mined a little bit more about Atlanta. Like, I think they could have built out that world a little bit more, but I do largely think like it was funny and good and i enjoyed myself what i love about this episode is that they don't always have to go into outer space to meet different kinds mm. of folk you mm. know sometimes all you have to do is go thirty thousand leagues under the sea and and you'll have a whole new adventure you never expected that's it's much like the um, Animorphs book where they go underwater and they find out that like mermaid people live under there. And it's like, they're already talking to all these crazy aliens from space. Did we really need the mermaid people? <laughs> and they're like collecting sunken ships. It's a very weird book. My favorite thing about this episode Joel, is you fuck that... with Animorphs? <laughs> um, no, I don't fuck with Animorphs. That is oof, disgusting. What they do is disgusting. <laughs> My favorite thing about this episode is that they depict fishing as boring. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's nothing fun about fishing. Go to hell, dads of the world. <laughs> I'm not going to pretend okay. like that's fun. Uh, Jinx, uh, shall we go into the, the final segment? Shall we? Hey, hey, let me ask you something. Joel Kim Booster, as a celebrated (laughs) slut, I'm excited to ask you these questions. Um, First, the tame question. Who of the cast of Futurama do you most identify with? Hmm. I think, unfortunately, I think it would be Leela. Like I identify. Unfortunately. Well, because I feel like it's like sort of the, it is the like, obvious like you people want this this is the thing like i don't know that everyone would agree with me that Mm. i should identify with leela because i think people want myself included want to be identified with leela because she's smart and capable and like sort of you know the best one in terms of like if you had to meet one of these people in real life you would want to meet leela um and so like in thinking about it, that's that's Leela for me. That's who it is for me. But, you know, 
feel free to disagree. Sound off in the comments. <laughs> I If there was like, you know how we meet Flexo? Um, so there's other bending units that are very similar to Bender, but like have some key differences. If there was a super gay Bender, I would say oh. that would be Joel Kim Booster. Because mm. Bender, he likes to party. <laughs> he likes to drink. He's a womanizer. If you turn that <laughs> character gay, that's Joel Kim Booster. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Very strong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kind of thinking things. of like how Joel's been hilarious in this episode, but has also had an air of like, Ugh, when is this going to be over? <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Joel, your next question is, of the entire cast of Futurama, who would you do? Um, I can't remember the character's name. And this is odd because of the parallels here, but um, Zap Brannigan's um, lieutenant. <gasps> Kiff. Yeah. Kiff. Kiff, oh. yes. Who, I mean, wildly does end up with the Asian character in the show. But <laughs> oh. I always found Kiff, there's something about Kiff. You're not the only one who loves Kiff. I think as far as settling down with someone, Kiff is... Actually, no. Mm -hmm. Kiff wouldn't be right for me because he's too overbearing. But he does have a lot of qualities that would make him a good partner. If, 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 you're, yeah. if he was willing to go to couples counseling. <laughs> I feel like people would initially, like, fuck Zap, you know? And then, like, get that over with. And then, like, realize after one time fucking Zap that they're like, oh, no, no, no. Kiff is the one you want to be with. Yeah. Sort yeah. of like a jinx in this mystery queen who <laughs> she shares <laughs> trade with. <laughs> You'll never know the answer. Um, it's Monet Exchange. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Monet and I have shared a lot of I literally of trade thought that's who you were talking about. So I, I know guess that we don't have she's to talked. <laughs> no, I, I know that Monet's talked openly about us sharing trade before, so we don't have to bleep that one. But. <laughs> Um. Uh, so the final question I think you've already answered it earlier in the episode but for the sake of continuity um, now that you've watched this episode of Futurama will you be watching more and will you be watching the new season when it comes out yeah it's an it's really like easy breezy watch and it's very nostalgic for me and I was I like it just the autoplay feature really is it is one of those shows where you can just let it run. And there's something very comforting about how much of it there is. Like, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I'll I'll never be finished with this. So, you know, it's like um, nice and and um, you know, just like in, into the void I go with Futurama. Yeah, I hear you with the the amount, because like if I start a Golden Girls binge, I'm, I'm like, I have to. I have to treasure these. I have to space this out and ration right. them because there's only five seasons and the last one's kind of weird. You know, during the pandemic, I was happy for any show that had, you know, countless seasons because yeah. I just needed something to be on constantly. That's why I watched Wings. <laughs> Didn't oh, care for Wings. Wings, <laughs> the only reason I liked Wings is it reminded me of Provincetown. But um, Wings was just on in the background. But the Provincetown Airport is Wings. Anyway, um, then, <laughs> um, I'm, all, I'm, all, I'm on the last season of Everybody Loves Raymond. And um, Bendela Krem is very mad at me about this. <laughs> but there's nine ben seasons. Ben and I agree so. on this one. <laughs> Can you do um, an impression of that tall guy? 
Uh, <laughs> everybody loves no no I can't but, um, <laughs> but my favorite line in the whole show everybody loves Raymond is when Doris Robert goes Doris Roberts goes there's gonna be more fruit he gets her fruit of the month club and she goes there's gonna be more fruit next month not more pears what am I gonna do with all these pears I can't think there's too much fruit in the house and she runs out of the room <laughs> <laughs> it's good it's good writing yeah. i like it mm-hmm. okay <laughs> yeah joel any bad sitcoms you like um not bad but i <laughs> i think i've watched frasier all the way through a couple times now and i, I feel like call that a me bad too sitcom. <laughs> no maybe, i love maybe, it i think frasier <laughs> is every episode of frasier is a perfectly structured three-act play like it is like farce um it is so good i mean it makes me laugh it makes me laugh I'm in the minority with the Fraser hate. I think it's just because I lived in Seattle and I know that view's not possible. It's geographically <laughs> impossible and I can't get that, over it. That is true. They do make Seattle seem too much like New York and Fraser. That's my complaint. Yeah, yeah. But the episodes where it's like a Moliere farce. Yes. The when they're like of the throwing a party identity, and people yeah. are running into the kitchen to like cover something up and then like, you know, mm-hmm. tr- like it's so like just the spinning of the plates, like Fraser trying to keep all the plates in the air sort of vibe with whatever he's lied about that episode is so fun (laughs) and then there's this episode eventually where it the episode begins at the end of one of their disastrous parties and everyone's (laughs) everyone's going crazy and someone's just put out a fire and someone looks all disheveled and then martin the dad comes into the room and goes hello everybody i'm the duke (laughs) (laughs) And that's I, how I the have episode to admit, Jinx starts. sent me this clip, that's and I, I did laugh at this. It was it was pretty funny. Joel, um, you're you've been a wonderful guest. Thank you for hanging out with us. Uh, thank Thanks you for, for indulging me. us. Uh, everyone, thank you for putting up Fire with my bad Island. Wi-Fi. <laughs> I blame Newcastle, babe. I don't blame you. Um, thank you. We've got Fire Island coming up, but you've got some TV stuff too. June is a big month. My Netflix special comes out June 21st. Yay. And then um, I'm on an Apple TV show called Loot with Maya Rudolph and MJ Rodriguez uh, that comes out June 24th. That sounds great. If you're into me, June is going to be a huge month for you, babe. (laughs) All right, everybody, (laughs) set your uh, calendar reminders for June. Jinx, do you want to take us out? I just want to say, um, also, just look up Joel Kim Booster on IMDb because he's been in countless things. Oh, you were so good in Shrill. That's one of my favorite Joel Kim Booster roles. Oh, thank you. Plenty of them um, are really, really good shows. And a lot of them are too short-lived for how good they were. So I just want to celebrate your career, congratulate you on everything you've already done, and um, say how excited I am for the future of Joel Kim Booster. Thank um, you. you. can also find him on Grinder near you. <laughs> <laughs> See you in the Delta Hub, everybody. <laughs> Um, thank you all for listening to this episode of I'm 40% Podcast. Thanks to our special guest, Joel Kim Booster. Catch us next Monday with a brand new episode of I'm 40% Podcast. Have a futuristic day, everybody. <laughs>